What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Verbal Garbage coming at you hot and live, uh, coming off of a two to three week hiatus. And I do apologize. I'm trying to get back on it, but we'll kind of cover some ground where we left off, where we're going, what we've been up to, and kind of work our way from there. Obviously, as you can tell right at the top, I'm rocking that Verbal Garbage t-shirt. My brother-in-law, Bob, shout out, Bob, got me a little, uh, let's call it like a 15-piece McNugget to start it off, a little unexpected gift to say the least he knows i've been talking about it and just like family you know you think about things if someone's talking about something you kind of place that into the the atmosphere and maybe it comes true so i got some shirts got a few of my buddies that requested some got obviously all the family members hooked up with them so not really something i'm planning on doing like a merch thing unless it got to the point where it was just you know insane and i can charge like ten dollars a pop for shirts but right now it's just Friends who listen and support, just kind of showing my appreciation, throwing them back at you, rock the brand, rep the brand, and spread the word for your boy. We're, we're dying to retire like we talk about every episode and sit back and golf, podcast, and jiu-jitsu. It's the dream. So um, speaking of jiu-jitsu, um, you can see a little mark, but we're, we're really clearing up there in the uh, the work department. We talked about a couple episodes back, the 30-pound herpy. Well, um, just so you all know, it's not herpes. Um, when I was in the doctor's office, it was pretty, pretty annoying because it was a dermatologist and then her assistant and then a girl that her assistant's training and the assistant and the girl that she's training are both extremely attractive. And I'm like sitting there with my fucking scaly skin, razor burn, five o'clock, like just a disaster. So I'm just like, you know what? I'm just gonna start roasting myself. So I was just telling him about how like I'm dying to get back to jujitsu and I've gained 30 pounds and I'm a disaster. And I'm telling everyone it's because of herpes and. They were just cracking up. So I'm like, you know what? At least I can get some laughs coming, but not the best situation to be under a microscope. And as I see right now, like that one does not look good, but you know what? We're going to let it ride. And uh, we've come a long way. It's been three, three months and change and we're slowly shedding the weight off. We're trying to get back to normal, but it's proven to be a huge challenge guys. So just, just pray for me. Keep me in your thoughts and let's get back in there. Take a quick breath. Um, No wonder a little bit more just, I'd be totally remiss if I didn't go over this. Um, it's like a week and a half ago, and I'm really sorry for not having the date exactly correct. But I grew up in a neighborhood in Cherry Hill, New Jersey, Wexford Lees specifically, and it was just very family-oriented. You know, my brother and I were very lucky to grow up with kids in the neighborhood that were all – we had many different factions that were all our age group, so we would hang out with a bunch of different people throughout the neighborhood. And obviously you have – you know, the OGs I've known the longest, like my boys, Maddie and Brian, that we've known since babyhood. But then, you know, as we got older, we started meeting some new people. And, you know, we had uh, the Stockton football crew, which was a group of, I don't know, between eight to 14 kids in the neighborhood. And there was a couple transplants that didn't really belong, but they got the pass from from knowing a valuable member or one of the founding fathers, myself and Dean. So... You know, you get grandfathered in, you have you have crews and whatnot. And we we started playing this when we were, I don't even know, maybe maybe I was in fifth or fourth grade. So Dean would have been a fourth grade or Kurt would have been a third, like very long time. And players come, players go, but pretty much Kurt and I would lived, let's call it a five minute walk, a three, two and a half minute bike ride from the field where we would play the Stockton Elementary School. And then we had Couple kids right in that street, Buxton Road, the Buxton boys. They would all live on that street. Yeah, obviously the Vespi brothers, the Arenzo brothers, the Lagrosa brothers, an occasional cameo by the the uh 
let's just call him the villain, Mark Silva, you know? <laughs> he would come in, you know, dust off the cleats, have all the, the nice gear, would wear the headbands and the sleeves, and it was all in good fun, you know? But it, the point is, we just had a group of a bunch of kids that would just all just have such a great time playing together, football, baseball, wiffle ball, tennis, basketball, whatever we could play, but football was the, the main attraction, and um, we were blessed enough to have two additions a little bit later on, like I mentioned, the La Grossa boys, and this long-winded intro to this is just just unfortunately not the best story. I, I would like to have covered, you know, this crew and the activities we did growing up and under different circumstances, but just how it played out. So mostly, foremostly, shout out and rest in peace to Mr. Chuck LaGrosa Sr. Um, I, I was nervous, honestly, to do it on here because, you know, I've talked about the brothers – Chuck and Joey, who I consider dear friends and just like other friends and acquaintances you meet in your life, not even acquaintances, friends and family, you know, you, you talk to them all the time growing up and then someone gets a job, someone goes here, someone goes there and you just, you naturally lose touch. And I try to really be good about trying to keep in touch with people who I care about and letting them know I care about them, whether it's within a month or five years, I hope that people know just like, if you have a relationship and a friendship with me, I do love you and I do care about you. It's just a matter of reaching out. And so, I mean, you ju you just can't stress it enough. Just telling people you love them, trying to talk to people, checking in on them because, and again, I'm not going to cover this too, too in depth here because I don't have enough information and knowledge, but just really trying to do it as a sign of love and respect and tribute to the little Grossa family as they're going through this in mourning and just an unimaginable, unspeakable loss to, to lose the patriarch of a family, especially one like Mr. LaGrosse. I mean, this guy was just, to give you an idea, like the, these two were very avid baseball players, Chuck and Joe, and they, their dad had a giant batting cage set up in the backyard for them where he'd be out there throwing balls to them and just doing whatever he could as a father to make them better. I remember, you know, being in their backyard, breaking up wood and him using a chainsaw on us, just the little things and just the memories you create with people. And then, just to have it just disappear so quickly is just, it's unimaginable. And I'm just, it's terrible. And I just really want to send my love out to you guys. And, you know, I know there's cliches to go. Oh, if you ever need anything, I, I truly mean like, if you guys ever want to talk, get something off your chest, just call and cry and let it out for 20 minutes. Like I'm, I'm here for that. That's what friends are for. And I really try to let people know how much I care. So in events like that, you know, I might not be the best person to lean on because I, I'm very emotional. It doesn't take much for me to cry and break down. But sometimes just hearing someone else cry and going through it together, you know, it could be pretty helpful. So, again, I don't even want to feel like I'm doing a disservice and not spending enough time on it. But, I mean, you just – what do you really say? We lost an incredible man way, way, way too soon. But, my God, did he do an amazing job of raising his three boys and his daughter. So – just keep them in their prayers, guys. They're going through a lot. They're they're mourning, they're venting, and all we can do is just offer our support and just think of them and let them know you care. So if you guys knew them or grew up with them, just just shoot them a message somewhere. Let them know you care and you're thinking about them, right? So uh, one more real quick, just another rest in peace to uh, a former coworker of mine named Jimmy. Uh, he was a really big-time bartender in Southwest Florida, really had a name about him, really good reputation, making drinks, starting restaurants, and he just suddenly passed away last week. So, again, just, just out of nowhere, things you just don't expect. And you don't prepare. You just 
just deal with it the best you can. And to anyone who's grieving through either one of those or any other, I'm just so sorry. And I love you guys. And that's part of the reason I want to start doing a podcast. This is, yeah, obviously the goal is to be funny and humorous, but it's mainly just like a passion project. Me trying to get more comfortable with talking on camera, uh, going solo like this, not really having like, today's the first time I actually wrote, like I usually keep notes on my phone, but I type them up on Zoom chat so I can look at them and kind of go through and kind of have a little bit more of a planned outline instead of just throwing shit up against the fan. But that's pretty much what verbal garbage is. There's a reason garbage was in the name because it's, it's simple trash. You know, I come on here and look at me, I'm holding the fucking pizza and I'm sprinkling donuts, holding the microphone. So it's just all in good fun, but you care less and less about what people think about you. And, you know, people who are just going to judge you about things they don't really know about what, what good are they in your life anyway? So you get this stuff out there, you learn to purge, you get it out there and you just don't think about it. Um, so if I can make someone laugh, you know, for one minute during an episode, my job here is done. You know, I'm getting the reps on camera. I'm getting a little more familiar with everything, but comic relief is my main goal in life and my main goal in the podcast. So just trying to get that going. Um, so we kind of start off a little somber. This isn't really great news, but it's making highlights of my dumbass. Um, so the last week of work, you know, closed out on last Thursday. I guess that would have been like May 26th or something. No, even longer than that. Jesus Christ, it's been a whirlwind. Anyways, like, I guess it was two Fridays ago now. I don't know. Long story short, I drive a giant work truck for work, obviously, as you know, that runs on diesel gasoline or diesel, whatever. Is it considered gas? I don't know. Diesel fuel. Um, So there's a compartment where you put the diesel fuel in, and there's another compartment where you put what's called DEF, diesel exhaust fluid. And it's pretty much like the help with the emissions, and it's some fucking... California type of bull. I don't know. Some law with emissions and all that kind of stuff for control. So obviously you put def in. The truck has four bars on the dash. You see that. And when it gets lower to one or two, you fill it up. Um, can't tell you how many times I put def in there. Uh, usually at a gas station, you go and get gas and you go in and buy a jug of def, a gallon of def, and you fill it up from there. I've done it for about a year now. Just gas, def. Never been a problem. Uh, this Friday coming off you know just closing out that thursday where the weekends just did my best numbers ever had my biggest week ever um riding high you know hungry and motivated to get out there and start the next week and i put i put death in the gas can i mean there's there's no way to say it um kind of a long story but definitely not in the greatest of standings with my uh my old boss there so i got a little little suspension from work for a week and it was looking like this was turning into the summer of Fred to quote, you know, George Costanza, the summer of George when everything was, I mean, obviously it's not going my way. I was potentially getting fired or laid off from my job, but I was like, you know what? Life's giving me lemons. I'm going to go make some sweet little lemonade. I'm going to go and get that Chick-fil-A pulpy lemonade. No ice. So you're not giving me fucking 45% of the drink and charging me for a hundred percent. Like, no, I'm getting a hundred percent of the juice and I'm paying for a hundred percent. You're not going to throw I'll go home and put ice in my juice. All right. Anyways, so I was like, you know what? I have a bad situation. Nobody wants to get fired. No, but, but it is what it is. He He's worked up to the point where he's his own boss. And if he decided to make that choice, that's his right. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go golfing and play Xbox every day and just enjoy my time. So I was waking up, getting the Peloton workout in, cooking a little breakfast, getting on Xbox with my, my friends who got a completely different work schedule than me. And just kind of feeling, you know, and we'd be done by 11. I'd go out to the golf course, play 18 holes by myself. 
one of these days I got paired up with a kid from Penn State who just graduated, came down here. It was his second day in Florida. Asked me if we could play. I said, sure. And this kid made me look like an absolute buffoon. He was hitting these balls so cleanly. It was just disgusting. And I was getting, you know, it's that part where I, I'm I'm terrible. I'm new to golf, but I'm getting obsessed with it. So I'm getting shoot the golf cleats. I'm getting the outfits. I'm, I'm dressing to the nines. And I'm just, I don't look good when I play. I mean, I look good, but I don't play good. And lately, you know, when you play solo naturally, you're going to have moments that look really good and no one sees them. So they don't mean as much. So my first tee shot, I got my big bad driver out and I just fucking shank it to the right. And I'm like, oh my God. And I'm dropping it, get a decent shot off the fairway. And then I just fucking go into the sand after that. It's just, it goes down. And I'm like, dude, you want to just go and play ahead? I was hoping he would. He wouldn't. So um, Friday, first day back in the work truck, just going out, trying to see people, collect some money, sell some shit. Today, Second day back in, but it's not my truck's not back yet, obviously. So I'm riding along with the other route driver. Shout out to Taylor. Always having some good conversation. And just kind of it's refreshing when you do a job like ours. It can be very challenging, exhausting, and you feel like you're out there on an island on your own. And then you go into her truck and all her customers are coming on bitching about not having this or bitching about not having that. And, you know, guys get on credit contracts and they can pay it off weekly. You know, these guys all decide to make one payment at the end of every month. So they're paying the maximum amount of interest. They wait till the last minute. It creates a lot of stress on me where if I don't get the payments in my status is the order goes down. I'm able to do less things. So it's just like I'm sitting in the car all day or in the truck all day. today, just literally texting, calling people all day, begging for fucking money that they agreed to pay. So like I said, it can be a little refreshing sometimes when you get someone else and get from their, their purview and see what they're going through. Just like we are right. Um, kind of just want to dabble around with some current events recently that I've, you know, either whether it's television shows I've watched, whether it's documentaries I've seen, whether it's current events that I've scrolled upon, whether it be on Twitter, Instagram, that's it. That's all I'm on. So first one, Kim Kardashian is back in the news. Now I'd be lying guys if I didn't say my, uh, my formative years in my twenties, let's early 18, 19 into the. Mid, I was I was sucking up the Kardashians, you know. I, when their show just popped on E, I was all in. I just love drama. I love people crying. I love people fighting. I've probably said it once before, and I'll keep quoting it. One of my my best friends, who I'm going to see at the end of the month here, he used to have a quote about me, and my brother, about like you guys just love to see other people in pain or failing. And I'm like, as I've gotten older, I'd like to think that's a little bit less true, but. Why do you think I like reality TV so much? Like The Bachelor, I don't think it's good television, but like watching these people get so invested and then get rejected and it's just, I'm sorry, I enjoy it. So Kim Kardashian is constantly making news for charging X amount of dollars for a makeup seminar or this or that. But let's just, let's let's rewind the clock, guys. For those of you older listeners, like my mom or two who might not, you know, my mom is notoriously known for like being out of the loop on pop culture. You like, it's incredible. Like to to be as unaware as she is is actually almost more impressive or more pathetic, if you want to call it, of how dialed I am, dialed I am in about like the latest contestants on the batch or who's got just bullshit. Random stupid fucking knowledge. Like growing up it was sports knowledge. Still got that, but now I feel like I've parlayed that into like, what's the most useless thing you can store in your brain? Oh, the contestant on season two of I Love New York. Done. Um, so again. 
I'm a little biased in this argument because, yeah, I don't really stand for what Kanye said and the stuff he's done. But my God, did that guy create some phenomenal music in the early 2000s. So Kim Kardashian, for those of you who don't know, she was like, I think a, a friend of Paris Hilton, her dad, famously Robert Kardashian, was in the OJ trial, good friends with OJ and partially representing him to some extent. So Kim had a little bit of name out there, but it wasn't her name. It was a family name. And let's just be honest. We've seen the Kardashians. We've seen their MO and their motive. All they want to do is be in the limelight and get money. Am I really to believe that that sex tape was just like, oh, let's record it and then accidentally leak it. Oh, whoops. Oh, my God. And just like early 2000s, if you remember, that was a scene of the Kardashians is like, when they found out her tape was getting leaked and it was the end of the world. I'm like, why do you think you got a show on E? You think you got a show about your make? No, it's because people knew you were about to sprout and get that Brazilian butt lift with just fucking like jars of rotten mayo just shaking behind her pants. It looks like a booty, but you take it down. It's just like egg crust. So Tim made the news last week for talking about a couple things. A was... All right, you know what? We're pulling it up. It was to in summation, it was Kim K's sleepless nights and then Kim K's tapes versus Kanye's comments. So listen, Kim, you made a, a massive amount of money, and I know money's not everything, but you had your kids. You you chose to, you know, have a rebound with Pete Dave. You just you, you did a lot of this to yourself. Like Pete Davidson, you could have found a comedian that's a little less famous and in the headlines of Pete Davidson. And then I'm supposed to, you know, and, and then it's just been a mess. So she she was in the news recently for making comments about all the sleepless nights she has. And let's just dive into this real quick. Cries herself to sleep. Okay, yeah. But, you know, I just found this funny because I initially saw it on Twitter and I was like clicking on the, the thing to see it. And everyone was like, going crazy about the K. Okay. So it's in pretty much it's the chaos of being a single mom is why she's having sleepless nights and crying herself to sleep. But then as I saw some ladies, I'm like, well, what about my man that I have kids with and he just left me. And now I, it's like, seriously. And like, they got to go probably work three jobs to be able to support a house and food and pay for the kids. Then you're like swimming in hundreds of millions of dollars. And I get it. Money's not everything, but here we go guys. And uh shout out to page six.com. Just to give a little bit of credit, Alex Breeden, May 23rd, Kim Kardashian, in quotes, there are nights I cry myself to sleep. Like, holy shit, this fucking tornado in my house. Like, what just happened? The Reality Star 42 said in an upcoming episode is on On Purpose with Jay Shetty, so a podcast. Kim, if you ever want to share your story, Verbal Garbage is open. Um, Kardashian, who shares daughters North, Nine, and Chicago Five, as well as son Saint and Palm, Psalm, with ex-husband Kanye, called the joys of parenting full madness at times. It's still the best chaos, Kim said. So yeah, as she's got a picture here with her kids in designer outfits and designer clothes and the chaos and her gowns probably. Everyone says the days are long and the years are short, and that couldn't be like a more true statement. It is their most rewarding job in the entire world. It is. There's nothing you can prepare for. There is nothing that can prepare you. I don't care how long you wait. I don't care what you're waiting for. You are never prepared. 
However, the single mom who's last in a relationship with Pete Davidson, like I said, ended in August 22, told the podcast host that getting through the day and figuring out how to work through the daily challenge of parenting can, quote, make you so proud of yourself. Like, guys, I released the tape and now I can pay for my kids. Um, can I just float a suggestion out there? If you're not entirely sure you're extremely compatible with your partner, maybe don't have four kids. I don't know. Is that is that crazy? I mean, I don't think that's like I don't think I'm breaking any news here, but so the Kim Kardashian thing, you know, just all this crying for attention and this the straw man argument and just these people that like my question to you guys is who is a more insufferable character? Is it Kim Kardashian or is it Meghan Markle? Now, Meghan Markle, <laughs> you're an actress, like a, let's call it a D level actress. You're on suits or some show on USA. You're like the f- seventh guy, girl, whatever. So clearly if you're in acting, you have a, a taste for fame. You're looking for the limelight. And then the show doesn't work out so well or the career. So then let's, let's figure out how else I can insert my toe into the big pool of celebrity. Oh, well, there's a, a royal over here that, wow, he's actually more handsome than his older brother. But why does he not have any? Huh. Okay. So Megan started plotting about how she could become the next duchess or royal, whatever the fuck she is. And fast forward, you know, they get married, blah, 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 book deal, this deal. And now all you hear about is how unhappy Harry and Meghan are. It's like with the fame and are. I'm sorry. You went from a Hollywood actress to a royal. What were you expecting, Meghan? I'm just curious. If I had to pick between the more insufferable character, just based off my own opinion. I'm going Kim Kardashian, guys. I'm sorry. You you released, like I said, this whole sex tape thing. Her mom, the momager she's known, is clearly in it for the brisket. She's just trying to make that bottom dollar and make that family name just what she had. To her credit, the Kardashians are global, you know? They get paid to go to fucking France and put on makeup and people, like, little girls pay. It's a joke. Um, That's besides the point. So who, who do you think has it harder between the millionaires, you know? <laughs> Speaking of who has it harder, we got a, a lovable figure in the MMA community that just made some news last week for having a documentary out on Netflix. Conor McGregor, as you all know, is probably the most famous star to ever grace the octagon in the UFC. And I was curious. I'm a known McGregor hater because I consider myself a purist of the sport of MMA, and I really enjoy like top contenders fighting, building up their rank, going on a win streak, earning a, an opponent that's higher ranked than them, and beating them, and just working the way up. McGregor, granted, his initial run, he did earn it, but he's kind of recently worked off of the the name and the fame thing where I'm Conor McGregor so I can break my leg and go use steroids and go out of the testing pool and then come back and find – like he's obviously working around the whole USADA thing. Um, USADA is the United States Anti-Doping Administration or agency. Uh, they got into a partnership with the UFC a couple of years ago to really crack down on the steroid policies of the UFC to make it harder for people to cheat putting steroids in their system and fight with that. So um, now I'm not saying McGregor, like he did, he got, he's a little bit older, you know, you get to your thirties and recovery is not nearly what it's like in your twenties. Uh, as I look at that Peloton, just staring at me. Um, 
and he had an extremely debilitating injury. So did the steroids aid him in his recovery? Of course it did. Though I think he should be kind of be able to skirt by the testing pool like he's going to do. Absolutely not. But when you're the star in UFC and you can put up the numbers like he does, and I think like three of the top five UFC pay-per-views of all time are Conor McGregor headliners. So he's clearly built up the resume to where he can kind of use that to his advantage. But I don't know. It's just... It's a little weird. You know what I mean? So the documentary was cool. It just kind of highlighted to me, like the peak of MMA. It was a couple years after I started getting into MMA and just showed his run to the top and, you know, what he was able to accomplish in such a short amount of time. And the imprint he had on the game where now the call out cultures just kind of gotten obnoxious to an extent, but McGregor really kind of shaped in this new era of MMA fighters as far as the microphone side of things, not necessarily the skill set. I think he's got a tremendous left hand and some nice kicks, but as an all-around MMA fighter, I've always said that he ain't even close to some of the guys that I think, whatever, my own opinion, everyone's got their own. So McGregor coming back against Chandler, I just don't know. I I, I see McGregor at the Formula One races drinking and eating on the yacht while Chandler's working out. and So you never know. McGregor has that switch. He is a freak athlete, so anything can happen. But do I feel great about it for a McGregor fan? No, I don't. But whatever. Damn. Sure, it's fucking clean, dude, isn't it? Thanks, Bob. Um, so in Florida, summertime comes around, gets super hot. The golf prices drop, obviously. The mangoes drop. You know, we get some trees that are in harvest, and a little bit more morbid, morbid news. That neighbor who, you know, just like us, got flooded out from the hurricane, and then unfortunately he had a stroke. So my mom. And I wanted to, you know, reach out and see how they were doing. And they responded that everything was getting better. They were getting closer to getting back. And she's like, by the way, we have mangoes. So I was like, wow, how'd they know? So I ordered the giant mango picker. And if you guys have known me, you know I have a this fucking insatiable appetite for picking mangoes. I mean, you see 60 mangoes on the tree. And my mom's like, let's go pick mangoes. Let's go pick mangoes. And then I go with her to pick mangoes. And after I get like 15, she's like, okay. I'm like, what do you mean, okay? Like, if I don't grab these fucking mangoes... They're going to fall onto the ground. The squirrel is going to take one bite out of them and move on to the next one. Um, As someone who is vehemently opposed to food waste and whatever else you want to call it, I will not stand by while these mangoes are up there. So what I do is I take them, I pick them, and like you want to wait till, wait till mangoes are a little bit riper on like the, the yellowish gold side as opposed to the green. I see fucking 50 green mangoes. I throw them in the bucket, and I'm like, I put them outside in a crate. Let them hit, let them get sit in the sunlight and they get ripe. So I'm like, why am I going to waste the opportunity? If I'm going over there to pick them, I'm going to pick as many as I fucking can put them in a bucket because like we've talked about the squirrels in New Jersey definitely had a little bit of a sweet, sweeter side. I mean, excuse me, squirrels in Florida have a little bit more of a sweet side than they do in New Jersey where they're just demons in New Jersey. But, um, I'm just not going to let the squirrels beat me for my mango harvest, you know? So Documentary wise, I got two I want to dive into real quick. Um, both were a total waste of time. I don't know why. Sometimes you're just laying in bed at the end of the night, you're unwinding, and you just see something. And you know, I could be like my my bird brain brother who just sees programs that he's seen a hundred times and just constantly rewatches them. It's a little bit of a comfort thing. I understand. I'm just kidding, but uh, I always just want to try to watch new things and just like I say, expand Fred's brain. Um, you know, how much expanding of the brain are you going to do when you're watching a documentary on sorority girls rushing at University of Alabama? I don't know, but I was willing to try and learn. Um, 
shameful, disgusting, despicable, everything you would think. It's pretty much diving into this culture of like what it means to rush and why it's popular and how Alabama's this and that. And pretty much like a couple years ago on fucking the God evil TikTok, which is just we'll get there in a minute. Um, but TikTok and all this this phone and this need for attention, this need for likes has created such a generational divide now where you know, obviously people like me, you put a podcast up, you hope someone listens to it. You put up an Instagram picture, you hope somebody likes it. But like, am I sitting up in bed at night rolling around thinking about that? No. Am I sitting around rolling in bed thinking about the girl who messaged me first on Bumble and she's taking what? Yeah, I am. Okay. I'll admit it. But there's a whole nother breed of people where it's like, these girls saw a video on TikTok like two years ago of people rushing at Alabama, literally just like, walking down the streets and matching clothes. Like I'm trying to get in the Ferrari. And now there's like a group of girls that are inspired to go to college just based off that. And they need to go to Alabama because they need to be in this culture. And I mean, like there are girls in this documentary that have like rush consultants. Like you're talking to a girl and it's like, they're trying to like pretty much envision a conversation that's going on. It's like, well, you don't want to talk about politics. You don't want to talk about this, but if they ask you about this and then the conversation gets to a standstill, you got to make sure it's like, so now they have, people's jobs that is like cultivating like hey this is what you need to expect going into sorority but shouldn't you already know that because you're basing your whole four-year education plan off a fucking tiktok video and i'm sorry i have like a couple other current events i'm going to tie into this but this 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 generational decline and i hate saying that because like i'm a millennial millennials get a bad rap let's be honest i think people hate on millennials because it's such an easy word to say and it just sounds like that was the first generation that was had some real advancements in technology. So like the boomers will see anyone younger, like you're a millennial. It's like, Oh, well don't fucking assume that this 16 year old kid who's going up and stealing some woman's dog as a prank on TikTok, That ain't a fucking millennial. That's the app gen or whatever you want to call them now. But you know what I mean? There's a little bit of like um, a loss in translation as far as the, the gappings in generations. And you know what? That just piqued my interest. There's a little thing online where you can go on and see, I'm looking on my iPad right now, like the names for the generations, you know? And I'm like, the, the, the millennial thing just gets so much hate. But I'm like, I see these things now where, like I just talked about, there was a guy who just in London was on a, made a viral video because he went up to some old lady in a park, had her dog, and she went up filming himself, like taking her dog. And I'm like, this is what is funny to people now. So... These names are just incredible. The greatest generation from 1901 to 1924. The silent generation, 1925 to 1945. So my dad is technically in that because my dad was born in 42. Baby boomer generation, 46 to 64. So that that wayward end of the silent generation, let's call it 1940 and past, to about 1975, 1980. Nah, fuck it. Silent gener- so let's say if you were born between 1940 and 1995, I'll give you, you're cool. I'm going to give that little generation Z. So it goes greatest gen 1901 to 1924, the silent generation 1925 to 1945, baby boomers, which is like probably the best name, 1946 to 64, generation X 65 to 79. Millennials, hoot, hoot, 
born 1980 to 1994, Gen Z, 1995 to 2012. And no, like I am petitioning this right now. If you were born from 2013 to 2025, you're considered Gen Alpha. We're literally going to name the generation that doesn't even know what their pronouns are, Gen Alpha. And I'm sorry, I don't mean to get into that, but are you? No, we're calling them the app gen because they rely so much on their phones and so much on the apps. I am not standing for that. Let's make that a thing, guys. Alpha Gen. No, we're not. Gen Alpha. Sorry. Anyways, like you, you see a couple of these girls basing their whole entire life decision of like, Am I going to be accepted? And what if I go here and they don't like me? And what if this and what if that? And I'm like, what if you just went to a college and made friends the natural way by just being yourself and going to activities or going here and finding common interests? I mean, is it this hard nowadays for people to find friends? And I get it, the fraternity and the sorority life, like you you feel like you belong and you're in something. But like, are you willing to just like you've seen the amount of stories about kids dying from trying to rush and getting alcohol fed to them or falling downstairs and hitting their head. And they just leave like a, a body sitting there. Like, fuck you. These people just care about their numbers and the money coming in. And it's just like, I don't know, maybe I'm blessed just the ability to make friends a little bit easier than the average person. But I really can't fathom how, there's enough weirdos and enough outcasts in this world where everybody can find a crew and find a, a group to fit in with. And to go and feel like you have to impress people by eating dog food or doing stunts and tricks that they tell you to, or like if a girl at Alabama doesn't think you're pretty enough to be in her sorority, like just imagine the damage that it does on these girls' psyches where they're going to a college just because they like the sorority row or whatever you call it. And then like you get disqualified because you don't have the looks or the hobbies to merit. Like, what is that going to make you feel like? And that's why I'm just saying, like, why are we putting all of our eggs in this acceptance basket where, like, look at me. I mean, I'm talking about random bullshit that nobody, I'm talking about me watching a fucking documentary about girls rushing for sororities and then giving my breakdown on it. Are you fucking kidding me? But I got to a point in life where I stopped worrying about the acceptance of others and I really was looking for personal happiness and personal growth. And when I come on here, I'm stepping outside of my comfort zone and I'm having fun. You know what I mean? So... I just wish more people would, instead of rushing to find acceptance, just find your lane. And I promise you, it's going to be so much more satisfying than trying to force yourself into a, a hole that you don't necessarily fit into. Like create your own hole and go fit into that one. You know what I mean? So that's enough of my rant on that. But it's just it's just sad to see it, you know. And um, I guess we'll just go with that right now. Um, I'm going to pull up this. This guy who just made the news because he had a TikTok or a, was it a dare? The New York Post. Here we go. We're going to read this article. And this is just kind of piggybacking right off of the whole generational acceptance and the app generation and trying to fit in and get acceptance from doing this on social media. Or if you have so many likes, you can come to my like, just fuck off. So the headline here, New York Post, Louisiana teen missing after jumping overboard on a dare on a Bahama sunset cruise. So just kind of like my friend Sharif had mentioned, like you're 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 doing this dare to impress people that you don't know and you're never going to see again, but maybe to relive the moment on social media. I, I just don't get it. Uh, I'm going to read the story real quick for those of you who haven't heard about this yet, and we'll kind of just go from there and give my thoughts. 18-year-old boy from Louisiana was celebrating his recent high school graduation during a sunset cruise in the Bahamas Wednesday when he reportedly jumped overboard on a dare, triggering a large-scale search. 
Cameron Robbins, rest in peace, I'm sure, who graduated from University Laboratory School in Baton Rouge this past Sunday, was on a trip to the Bahamas with students from several local high schools, staying at the Atlantis Paradise Island Resort in Nassau. On Wednesday evening, four hours after their arrival, Robbins and his friends went on a sunset party cruise. According to the witness, to witnesses, excuse me, around 9.40 p.m., so dark, the 18-year-old, who was apparently acting on a dare, took a plunge off the boat into the ocean near Athol or Athol Island. Robbins was last seen splashing in the dark waters a few feet from the boat before vanishing from view. Um, now, I couldn't help but be on Twitter this morning when I was taking my, my morning dookie and and I'm not giving up on Hello Tushy, by the way. Used it this morning. I'm still looking for a sponsorship, so uh, we'll get back on that train eventually. But anyways, um, the, this there was a Twitter video showing this leaked footage, not leaked, but this footage of this poor young man jumping off, trying to act in a dare, trying to impress people. And um, there was people who had slow motion videos and zoomed in breakdowns. And I'm quite convinced there was a large shark swimming right next to the boy. Uh, they circled it. They showed the dorsal fin. Uh, I mean, what are the other chances? You send out a large-scale search party, and you can't find anything, and you start putting two to two together. I mean, now, would a shark eat them whole? I don't think that would necessarily happen. Sharks usually take a bite and don't really like what they taste, but it says here, the boat resembled, designed to resemble a pirate ship remained in the area for several hours as crew members tried to find them. Uh, Royal Bahamas, Bahamas Defense Force, assisted by the U.S. Coast Guard, has been searching for the missing teen from the air, but so far without success. He was a pitcher on the baseball team, attended the school for all 13 years of his education, and here's the freeze frame picture on my his younger sister's a junior. So just like, can we just be smarter as people, please? I mean, this stuff is just heartbreaking. You're, you're acting on a dare. What did you think was the... How do you think a cruise ship is going to turn around? Like, that's not something you just stop. Like, that is a giant vessel that's going to need to take God knows how long to turn around and get back to you. And it's dark out. Like, if it's light and people can see you, maybe I can rationalize this a little bit easier. But, oh, my God. It's just like, what are we doing? So, I mean, just this... I, I really hope this... There's going to come to a point, you know, you see these pranks and I hate to say it, but it seems like it's going to take something really serious to happen for some of these kids to start waking up and realizing what we're doing is not right. And it just we don't need attention that bad, you know, just go hang out with friends, enjoy, enjoy life with friends and family and stop trying to live vicariously through social media and impress people and get likes. And I don't know where we went wrong and where this all started. And you can kind of circle back to the Kardashians, you know, the. Early 2000s, they were considered, you know, everyone was like, oh, my God, Kim's the hottest girl. And they just had these beauty standards. It just started getting girls to the point where if I don't look like her, I'm not pretty. And then you're comparing yourself against other females. And it's just she got more likes than me, so she must be prettier. And it's just, man, if I could pull up the stuff from my middle school and elementary school, like my statuses on AOL and stuff, going to football practice, and then I would do like a Lil Wayne quote. And now I'm like, now people are like, here's the outfit of the day. Shoes were just, and if you don't get likes, do you feel like you wasted money? Or like, oh, I just can't understand it. Growing up, I'm so grateful to have sisters that were older than me and not in the reverse trend because 
if they were going through the stuff and I was older brother and they're getting bullied online and I, it makes my skin crawl even having to think about brothers and dads that have to try to defend their kid. It's just, it makes me so sick to social media bullying and everything. And I was really trying not to go on a rant about this stuff, but how can you not? And you see kids, you know, jumping off boats because of a dare and just the stuff. Cause you know, it's probably a girl or probably a friend who's trying to impress. And it's just like, what are we doing? Um, Two more little reviews, I guess. Watch a terrible, disturbing, awful documentary on HBO. Only got two episodes through and I was kind of like, that's, I'm good. Uh, all about Jared from Subway. And as you can remember him, you know, he was going around. I ate a $5 foot long every day, three times a day. And I lost 300 pounds. Fuck you. You're lying. You're cheating. And you're diddling. I didn't really know that at the time. And don't watch the documentary. It's just don't watch it. There's like phone recordings of him saying just it's disgusting. I don't think he's been handled in prison, but I I'm sorry. I believe in second chances and reform. But if you do anything with kids and you rape anybody, you're out of my book. Sorry. You're just you're done. You're done. You're done. You're done. Jared going around and taking advantage of this stuff where, you know, they had programs for kids to try to help with. I don't even have words for it. I don't even know why I covered it, but I'm just trying to get back into the swing of things and talk about things I've watched recently. Uh, finally watched the Mario movie the other day. I didn't pay for it like a fucking scumbag, but I streamed it. Phenomenal. All the nostalgia, all the vibes, acting, storyline, plot, everything was nailed. I'm not a huge cartoon guy, as many of you know, but I am a Nintendo boy through and through, and that was uh, that was beautiful. Chris Pratt, great job. Charlie Day as Luigi, just tremendous. Uh, Jack Black, yeah, he can sing, man. He can sing, right? Um, it's a subway doc. I hate to bring it back to that real quick, but I couldn't help but giggle. I was I'm a little late bloomer in life, still to this day, in a lot of aspects. We don't need to cover all of it, but definitely a late bloomer in a lot of regards and driving was another thing that I just didn't have the confidence for. Didn't know if I could do it. Right. So, um, took me a while to get my driver's license. I think I was eight. You know, everyone gets it when they're 17 in New Jersey. I think I got mine when I was like, sorry. I don't even remember, honestly, but the one thing I do remember <laughs> is the maiden voyage was fucking made to a subway on Route 70 in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. I got my license, but the way I got my license was obviously sitting around waiting for three years, terrified of it or whatever. I don't I don't even remember my justification for not getting it. And I was like, oh, my friends are driving around. The stupidest fucking reasoning ever. Because then if you wanted to go somewhere, you have to... And I was the guy who lived on the east side of town, but went the west. So I'd have to text my friends who lived on the west side of town. Hey, can you come pick me over on the east side? Pick me up on the east side to take me back to the west side and then drive me back to the... Some friend, huh? What a piece of shit. Um, that was me I'm talking about. But the maiden voyage was made in the Toyota Corolla, the fourth generation Toyota from the Bites family. You know, I think Jenny drove it, Jill drove it, Kurt drove it, then little Fred Korn drove it. And uh, I remember like I got my license and I came home and was asking my brother to drive me to Subway. He's like, are you fucking serious, dude? You just got your license. You drive. And I was like so scared to leave the driveway. Like, as I was leaving, it was literally like the maiden voyage. Like, I was being sent off to war, and I was like, I don't know if I'm coming back, but we're going to get this $5 meatball sandwich. And we came back with a couple cookies to spare, and 
the rest is history. Now we're driving a big truck and we're putting uh, death in the wrong place and fucking the truck up for a week. It costs my, myself and my boss a lot of money. So, yeah, no big deal, right? Um, obviously, the Celtics and the Heat series just ended Eastern Conference Finals. Don't really care too much to cover that, but I did want to cover our boy Eric Lewis. For those of you who don't know, he's an NBA referee that has uh, got a lot of Celtic ties in his family. There's pictures up of his wife and his kids. Wearing Celtics jerseys, rooting them on, which is free country. You can do what you want. There was also a video early in the series of this Heat Celtics series when Eric was refereeing and Jimmy Butler made a layup and it was caught on film of this referee making like a disgruntled, very displeased face. That was a little suspicious. The pictures were a little suspicious. And then, as you know, nothing's going unnoticed on the Internet. Um, Our boy got busted with a burner account. And for those of you who don't know what a burner account is. So, like, let's say I have a verbal garbage podcast, Twitter, but then I have Uncle Sammy2389 as my burner account because I'll log into my burner account and leave messages like defending someone or sticking up for someone or putting out my thoughts without people knowing who it is. So, our boy Eric Lewis, again, an NBA referee, um, has a burner account. He's pretty much going on there, finding tweets about him, the Celtics, the referees, and he's... Do 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 some looking yourself if you're curious. His his alter ego on there was uh I think Blair Cutcliffe or Blair Cutliffe. And uh yeah, he got he got busted. So NBA launched an investigation as if they didn't have enough spotty history to deal with. It's like Tim Donahue, who was a referee, was allegedly taking bets and fixing games, and now you got this coming up where the refs already look like they want to be the star of the game anyway, and then you got I mean, a guy on a burner account and Whatever. So um just pull up the old phone real quick, see if there's any other things I wanted to cover. I think that was pretty uh pretty good. And like I said, we're just trying to get just trying to get back in the swing of things. Um just just a little tough right now. Like I said, I was planning on having like a little bit more of a oh succession season series finale, by the way, ended with a bang. Uh me and my parents were talking like a week in advance who they we thought was gonna take over and win and Let's just say I picked the guests, and you can check my Twitter account if you don't believe it. Um, three days ago, so I'm not exactly the fifth. Whatever. Um, so Celtics Nuggets NBA Finals coming up. Don't really see the need to cover that too deep. Uh, just right now, like current events, job stuff, movies, documentaries. Struggling to get a guest coming just because, like I said, it's just my bedroom right now, and it's too small to have someone over and talk shopping. So we're figuring out. I was. Dropped a little gem yesterday. My brother's got a guy in law enforcement that he deals with who very similar to a Jeremy Warren who I've talked about before. And I will do a deep dive one episode where I worked in a video game store and I had a irate customer who proceeded to go on YouTube and make videos for years and got banned from the store and would try to come in. And we thought he was going to like shoot the place up or bomb the place. And now my brother's dealing with someone on the law enforcement side that calls people all the time calls the cops all the time for kids like speeding up and down his road, but he's brought it on himself so much now to the point where people just drive intentionally fast by him just to try to get an, a reaction out of him. Um, did I find his podcast and subscribe to his channel? Yes. Am I trying to get him on the podcast? Potentially. Thank you for joining another episode of Verbal Garbage. We out. Peace.